it's okay to be two people in a relationship and have different values. But having a conversation and understanding what things are mutually important and what things are different is probably one of the single most important things to know and be aware of, in my opinion. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. I have with me today, Mike Davis. Mike and I, this is interesting. We were, I went to my very first mastermind meetup alone for a group that we were in called Apex. And honestly, I was kind of scared to death. I didn't know anybody. And I sat at the bar at Billy Bob's. If you know Billy Bob's famous, it's in, in uh, Fort Worth. And we were just sat next to each other and started talking and had an awesome conversation and have had times to talk in between. Mike is a business owner, second generation, took over a business from his family and is crushing it. And really what we started talking about was divorce, kids, all the things that really kind of are really relevant in a lot of y'all's lives. So I wanted to get him on here and have some really like open communication. But I think the most exciting thing about Mike is the fact that he is an ex-pigeon racer. <laughs> I didn't, yes, Welcome sir. to the show, Mike. I didn't even know you could pit race pigeons. <laughs> You absolutely can. You absolutely can. It's it's uh, it's it's one of those uh, one of those things that not a lot of people are aware of, and it always launches into a really really interesting conversation when uh, when people are talking about you know how gross pigeons are or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, I used I used to have birds and you know used to used to race them and all that type of thing. And it's a uh, it's a a really cool kind of introduction you know topic. Did you train? Did you train them? Did you have to train them? Yeah. So pigeons inherently have a homing instinct. So wherever they're born, wherever they're accustomed to living, they can travel long distances away and 100 percent know how to get back. Okay. Um, And it was actually there is a kind of a science to it a little bit because you know they uh, you can move them, you can relocate them. And again, that involves, you know, training them again, but you pretty much, it's just like any other athlete, you do it incrementally. So you start them out in your front yard and then you go from the front yard to a half mile away. You take them a half mile away and they fly back home and then you go a mile, two miles, five miles, 10 miles, 20, and then so on and so forth. And eventually we had birds coming back. From uh, I think, and, and and granted, these are you know not road miles; these are air miles. So it, miles, it's in yeah. a straight line. But we had birds coming back from I think 240 miles wow. away. So for for us, that was from Atlanta, Georgia, to Southern Maryland. Okay, um, and they would do that over the course of about a day and a half, two days. So pretty cool <laughs> stuff. That's, that's, that's pretty crazy. I love it. It's, I'm sure we could have a, uh, a pigeon episode, but that's not what guys come to listen to. But it's, it, for me, it's very fascinating. So you took over your business, uh, your, your parents or your, your family's business. You're doing, you do signs and how is that going, man? Uh, good, good. Yeah. I bought, um, I bought them out probably, I guess almost 12 years ago. 
Okay. Um, and we were, I mean, we, we've been in business since 92, family owned company. I mean, my parents will tell the story. They started the company for beer and pizza money. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like, like a whole bunch of us do extra stuff for. And, um, you know, we started out as a printing company. So we did business cards and brochures and wedding invitations and all that kind of crazy stuff. And then uh, through the years, the offerings changed. We started getting into graphics work, truck graphics, lettering, banners, mm-hmm. small signs, that type of thing. And then through the years, we changed locations a couple times, moved from the house to a retail location in about 2006, relocated once or twice more. And then uh, I came back to the business full time in probably 2010. You know, I went out and did a couple other different things. I actually was going to college for computer networking. I was going to go into IT. I had literally been in that field since I started working and kind of was, was in college, was doing a bunch of different stuff, decided, man, college isn't really that fun. Yeah. And, uh, Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, you know, I, I was, I was surrounded by a lot of people that, man, I just could not relate to, could not relate to one bit. And, uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take a little time off from college. Not, not call it quits, but I'm going to take a little time off. The family business wasn't, uh, I mean, it was about 2009 ish verge of 2010. So the economy was kind of in the toilet. Mm. Um, yeah. shop wasn't doing very good. Couldn't really keep help. My mom needed help. And I was just like, you know what? I'm working all these other odd jobs. I mean, I, I think I had three jobs at one point. And I was like, you know what? Why am I putting all this effort into all these other people's businesses when I could potentially work on ours? Yeah. And so I came back, started kind of refocusing my efforts in one place. And we started to slowly but surely turn it around. And when I kind of figured out that we were going to turn things around, I started kind of leading us in a little bit different direction. We started doing way less of the printing and stuff that had kind of started the company, still kept some of the other offerings like the small yard signs and banners and you know vehicle graphics and that in place. But we started offering larger projects. We started doing building signage, you know, lit signage. We started doing service work on older signs and one thing in our local area, in our county specifically, nobody was doing everything. You couldn't, you could not go to a shop at that point in time and say, "Hey, I'd like to design a new sign for my business," hmm. and then I then I need somebody to file the permits, and then I need you know it fabricated, and then I need somebody to install it, and then once it's installed, I need somebody to make sure it's taken care of and service it from time to time. There was. Nobody down here doing that entire thing, start to finish, reliably. Um, That's quite remarkable, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there were there were a couple smaller shops who would do it, but like they wouldn't pull permits, mm-hmm. and you know they would do it, but man, they would do it on their own schedule. And there was there was plenty of outfits that were outside of our our local area who would come in and would do the work and that type of thing. And so I just kind of started building upon that and it took us a quite a while to build a little bit of momentum, but it was just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And I mean, we've built it from, I think when, when I finally bought it from my parents, 
and I'll, I'll make a comment on on that real quick too. When I say I bought it, my mom and I work together really, really well. But working with family, if anyone, if for anyone who has ever done it, is uh, is challenging. Just a little and, bit. <laughs> yes, and there is there is you know, like I said, we work together great. Love my family to pieces, but owning a business together and, and, and working it together is difficult. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of came to me one day and she said, if either you buy it or someone else will. And she walked out the back door, got in her car and she went home for the day because she had had enough. And, uh, I finished out my shift for the day, locked the shop. And I just kind of went home and was like, huh? Well, shit, I guess I'm, uh, I guess I'm buying a business. <laughs> and um, so that was kind of the start. And since then, we've uh, we've grown it from, I think that year we did, um, we did something probably like 275,000 gross to now we do over a million and a half consistently. And we're on par this year to probably be over two. That's so, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Second generation business is always a really interesting thing. There's a lot to weigh out when you buy a business from a family. There's a lot of baggage that comes with it. Did you continue to have family working in it after you bought it? So, so I did. Um, it was supposed to be a five year, like staged mm. kind of transition. Mm -hmm. um, my mom actually ended up getting sick probably six or eight months in. And she had to kind of step away. So we, the plan was for that to be much, much longer for family to be involved in it much, much longer. And it just didn't work out like that. Yeah. But, uh, let me tell you that that six to eight months with all the changes that I made in that time was very challenging, you know, taking a, uh, a first generation person that, that started the company who, you know, blood, sweat and tears and forged it from nothing and saying, okay, thanks. Thanks for everything you did. I appreciate it, but I'm going to do away with this whole sector of what you created. Right. Um, kind of coming up with that plan and executing that was very interesting because in order yeah. for us to grow, we had to get rid of some things. Yeah. Oh, that's a good lesson for everything in life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, in order to grow, you got to get rid of things. You got to make space for better things. You got to put better things into place. That's super exciting. And I think there's several lessons that any guy that has like maybe thinking about taking on a family business in that. Do you think the five-year transition would have been very painful, more painful? It would have been extremely painful. You, not so you're that, kind of blessed. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 and again, you know, not that I hold any ill will towards my parents or anything that, and I'm sure it would have worked out fine, but we are a completely different company today than we were back then. Right. Um, and the changes would have kept coming. And, you know, I think I remember what it was like to pay for the business and that didn't create a lot of strife or anything, but it, at times it was, you know, it was like, you know, things are tight, money's tight, cash flow's tight. And then you still have to hand over that business payment no matter what. Mm -hmm. and there wasn't much slack given, you, you know what I mean? So, so just that component of the whole thing 
you know, could have, it all could have been a lot more difficult than what it was. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think I was yeah. with everything that happened. I think it happened, uh, you know, for a reason, everything went down for a reason. I was kind of thrust into it, you know, had to kind of figure mm-hmm. a lot of things out that I didn't know how to do, but it all worked out the way that it was supposed to. And one thing, just kind of speak, speaking to what you said about, um, you know, any, any potential entrepreneur who is looking to take over or be part of an existing family business, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I think I learned was that if you're going to come into an existing operation, I don't care if it does $50,000 a year or $50 million a year, whether the original, the original team, original people are going to hang on or not, I feel like you absolutely have to carve out your own spot. Yeah. You have to bring your own thing to the table or else you will never feel like it's yours. Because if you're just coming in and say, I don't know, you have an auto parts business or an auto shop or something like that, and you come in and you're just working the counter. Yeah, on paper, it could say that, you know, you're part of it. You've got a stakehold and everything else. But man, until you bring something to the table and you carve out a little spot that is uniquely yours, that you brought to the table and it's all you. I don't know if I would be 100% fulfilled. Um, and I think, and just, just based upon conversations I've had with other entrepreneurs who have been in a similar situation as I was, I've heard the pain. I've heard the difficulty. And I'm like, man, like I was, I was fortunate that I came in and we just, we changed a ton of stuff. And that causes ruffles. I mean, I'm sure you went through a lot of personnel saying, you know, longstanding people, that's not going to work. This is stupid. People don't like change. Right. But yeah, it's kind of, it seems like it might kind of be a rip the bandaid off type of situation. It might work best just to go all in. And sometimes I think so. I mean, obviously, if you have other family members involved and, and other other team members involved, you can't, I don't know, there's there's got to definitely be a strategy to it. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't you can't rip the Band-Aid off so hard that you push everybody away and you alienate your help. So that's that's a difficult component to it. But I mean, I was very fortunate that at the at the size we were back then, I mean, it was me and two other people. Mm, so, I okay. mean, it was it was easy to make make large changes like that because it didn't affect so many people. Right. Um, but yeah, I will, I will definitely say a hundred percent that one, me having to pay for what I have, you know, you know buy the company and it, it not be given. And then also me bringing something very unique to the table and kind of changing a large section of the company. Those two things in combination made made it a hundred percent that it wasn't my parents' company anymore. Right. Moving forward, it was mine. Yeah. And I will say those, those two things I think made a profound difference in how I operated for the years following that. Yeah. There's a lot of good takeaway lessons for somebody or anybody who's looking and taking over uh, a business, right? Like it's not, you, you gotta be planned. You gotta know what you're into. So speaking of uh, changes, when we sat down, it Holly, was it a year ago? I'm trying to think of the date. Yeah, yeah. It so might not. It, it probably it was, wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, it was. It, I think it was October. I think it okay. was the last. It was the last meetup of last year. Yeah. So last October, I had a t- completely different situation in my business, and you were 
like I said, we were sitting down at Billy Bob's uh, eating, what was it, barbecue, I'm sure. I'm sure it was barbecue. And I don't know, I guess it was just fate. We sat together. You were, had just gone through a divorce, if I remember correctly. It was pretty fresh at that point. Yeah, I was, uh, actually, I literally got home from the meetup and my court date was, I think, two weeks later. Wow. So it was, it was, uh, it was very fast approaching. Yeah. So that was, you know, 11 and a half months ago. I bet so much has changed. And what I wanted to talk to you about, because a lot of guys have been through, through divorce or might be heading into divorce for whatever reasons. I wanted to talk about like how you're managing that with the kids, how you're managing that as, you know, someone who I feel, cause I've listened to you talk, you know, you, you want what's best for your kids. You're going to do what's best for your kids. And you're working through this in the most professional uh, way possible. So I, I don't even know how to open up, but I just love to kind of hear, you know, what you'd like to share about that experience. You know, there's, there's other things I want to kind of cover because going through that is, uh, you know, put you in a dark place. And I want to talk about that, but overall, like what, you know, just, Talk to my audience about that situation. Sure. So, I mean, kind of there was there was a whole lot leading up to it, um, and I'm sure we'll we'll that's kind of part of the part I wanted to talk about bit. too. Yeah. Okay. We'll dive we'll dive into that a little bit later. But um, the last, like you said, almost year, man, it, it has been chock full of lessons and challenges, and you know things that that most of us never anticipate having to go through, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know a single person who gets married to somebody and intends on being divorced. Um, so going through that, you know, going through everything and then getting to the other side of it and then figuring out what your new normal looks like in terms of life, man, it's, it, it, it's been challenging to say the absolute least. I was very, very fortunate that, you know, I got 50-50 custody of my kids. So I see them every other week and I get them for a full seven days. That was not the arrangement that we initially agreed upon, but that is what we kind of together as a team, we moved towards and said, hey, I think this is better for the kids. This is better for us. This is better for just everybody involved. And let me just say, when I first started out and everything was was finalized, we were on a much more condensed schedule. And, you know, I'm sure like a lot of other listeners, you know, I did not ever plan on being without my kids for any extended length of time. So the that was kind of the first biggest hurdle, you know, facing the reality of, hey, you know, you're not going to see them every day. And you're going to have to come to grips with that and you're going to have to get over it. And there's going to have to be things that you're going to miss. And that's just what it's going to be. And it's not going to get easier. You're not going to like it, but you got to do it. Mm -hmm. So we were on, I think it's a three, two, three schedule or something like that. So so pretty much every two and a half days, the kids went back and forth. Um, Evidently it is a really common schedule nowadays. Really? Um, but, and, and I thought that it, it was the best thing. Cause I was like, man, I only got to go two and a half days without the kids and then they're back. 
And that was all fine and dandy until I realized that it was way harder on me, way harder on the kids than what I anticipated. The constant change, the constant back and forth was difficult. And what ended up being a big realization of mine is, you know, having seven consistent days on and seven consistent days off is the best thing for everybody. And so we moved to that schedule and that made a world of difference, but it took me kind of letting go and realizing that, Hey, you know, it's okay. You can go a week without seeing them. You can do it. And it's there. There has to be some trust between you and your ex-wife on, and is there communication on how you're raising them, how you're disciplining, how you're holding them accountable values that you're growing and, and placing into their lives? Like, how has that process been? So that has taken probably the majority of the year to kind of get ironed out. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, man, you know, it was, it was no problem out, out the gate. <laughs> it, it was it was peachy keen. There was a lot of baggage to overcome. Um, and there's there's still stuff to overcome. I mean, the work is not done. But it has taken the majority of this time to kind of get to a place where we can openly communicate for the most part without any of the past stuff coming into play when we're talking about the kids. And I mean, so to answer your question directly, yes, it, it has gotten much better to go over how we're parenting, how we're disciplining the kids, the things that you know are important, the things that aren't. And there's still challenges. There's still struggles. But it has gotten much easier. I mean, with us, with us switching schools, you know, that was a massive change to my kids. I mean, my daughter had been going to, to the other school for the last two years that she's been in school. That's all she knows. So as a young girl who had friends and knew the teachers and all this kind of stuff, kind of switching her unexpectedly, kind of threw a monkey wrench in so we've, we've had a couple behavior issues and whatnot. And, you know, I uh, received an email the other day that I'm going to be present at my first parent-teacher conference. Oh, boy. So that, uh, you know, something that I'm sure plenty of other parents have had to experience. And it's not a, not a big deal. But, you know, us being a split household, even though we're a split household, we have to show up and do these things together. And we have to do whatever is in the best interest of the kids. So, you know, when we've been presented with these things, I mean, we call each other. We have a text back and forth if one of us is, is, you know, tied up. I mean, there's the open lines of communication, even though it's taken time to get there, they're there. And, you know, I think over time, the changes that I have seen so far, I think moving forward, the consistency in my kid's life will continue to improve and get better. But man, I tell you, it, it, it has taken a lot of time to, to get to that point. How have you been like, has your relationship with your ex-wife actually improved since when you were before married? At the end of our marriage to now, I would say absolutely. You know, all of us have, you know, needs, physical, emotional, you know, you want to feel supported in different aspects mm -hmm. of your life. And when, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, if you don't feel that those needs are getting met or, or say you don't, your perception 
of how those things are getting met or not met. That makes you act a lot of different ways. It can make you act like a colossal asshole sometimes. So the end of my marriage to now, our relationship is way different. It is way better. I mean, if you were to get, and you probably will, if you get a do-over, how would you do being a husband differently? So I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I was, I was really, really ambitious when it came to my professional life. When my kids were first born, you know, I knew that I wanted to have kids, but I didn't really have any experience with kids. I knew that when they got a little bit older, we'd be able to do cool, fun stuff. We'd be riding bikes and going on trips and hiking and, and doing all kinds of cool, fun dad, daughter, son stuff, right? But when they were little, I was like, they won't miss me because they probably won't remember. And it probably won't matter. So I'll just work my ass off in the meantime, and it'll be fine. And my ex-wife, she didn't really make a big fuss. She didn't really give me a bunch of grief. I told her I had to stay late at the shop to work. She said, sure, okay, no problem. And so I just carried on like that, you know, not not being absent, but misprioritizing things. Mm -hmm. And I didn't only misprioritize things in terms of my children and my spouse. I misprioritized things when it came to me. I didn't necessarily make appropriate time for myself. I didn't make appropriate time for uh, anything having to do with my personal health, anything having to do with things that I enjoyed doing. You know, work kind of took priority and everything else would figure itself out. So, I mean, the, the, the lessons that I have learned and the, the things that I have learned after the fact from coaches and mentors and a lot of personal development and kind of reflection is, man, you gotta, you gotta figure out what is really, really important. And granted, you know, a lot of us are entrepreneurs, you know, growing that beast and feeding that beast is important. Like that's, that's part of our our purpose. If we do not have that, we feel empty. So that's definitely a priority, but Hey, you know, if you lose your family in the meantime, while you're trying to build something else, what are you left with? And I think that is something that you either learn it by accident, like I did, um, (laughs) or you learn it from somebody else who's been through it and hopefully you get ahead of it and you make sure that you take the steps to prioritize things correctly. What, what tools do you have in place now to make sure you're keeping things prioritized? That's a very good question. Most days I make sure that I am home by six o'clock at the very latest. I mean, that is, I mean, you know, you know, my company doesn't necessarily run by itself. I, I have some really good people in place that help me that like we, we could not operate at the point we're at without those people. Me trusting them has been a huge thing. You know, as an entrepreneur, I feel like, you know, especially being in my shoes where we grew the company from, you know, and at one point it was me and one other person. So we grew the company from that to now I have a team of 13, 14 people. Being able to kind of let go and let other people do their jobs has been a huge thing. Yeah. And kind of trusting them to do that has been huge. But in terms of outlined tools, 
not really sure if I have anything specific. I've just kind of set a couple boundaries in terms of that. When I get home in the evening times, most of the time, like work stuff, unless it's, it's something real quick, real easy, I turn it off. If it's email stuff, I turn it off. I don't pay attention to it. Now, granted, you know, there are exceptions to that, but most days it's tomorrow's problem. Yeah. That's a really good way to, I had to learn that the hard way. Very similar story to you. It's if I didn't let it go far enough. You know, I, I made some course corrections way too late, but not too late. Right. Sure. Um, so how do you, you know, I know you have core values. How does that play a role in work, in life, in family? I am actually a new student of the book of core values. And I feel like the longest time I didn't know what those were. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't until I actually went to my first apex meetup and they were talking about these weird things called core values. And I said, what in the hell is a core value? And, you know, I saw all these guys hop up in in front of everybody and kind of talk about it and discuss it. And, you know, I said, okay, well, cool. And I jotted some, you know, rough core values down in my notebook and, those core values, if I remember correctly, pretty much pertained to my business. I have since learned that I did not even have a clue about because you have core values for your business. Sure. Most, most great companies have a very strong set of core values and that's mm-hmm. what drives their mission. But you as an individual have a set of core values. If you have a spouse, you and your spouse should have a set of core values I actually just completed a couple's boot camp of sorts hmm. that, that one of my coaches hosted. It was a six-week program, and one of the biggest takeaways from that program for everybody involved was having core values and you know how important those things are. And, you know, it's okay to be two people in a relationship and have different values. There might be different things that are important to you that might not be important to your spouse, and that's okay. But having a conversation and understanding what things are mutually important and what things are different and knowing kind of the rules of engagement and how to operate that way is probably one of the single most important things to know and be aware of, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it has changed the way that I look at you know, my relationship that I have now, you know, if I had known all of these types of things years past, if I had had that basis of education to know what values are and how they apply and how to use them and the conversations to have surrounding them, the things that you would do different, but you know, again, everything happens for a reason, you know, here now, you know, those just, just being aware of those core values have changed my relationship with my kids as well. I mean, they're part of it. You know what I mean? And it, Oh, uh, I do. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I would, I would not have the relationship that I have with them had I not walked through the fire of the last three and a half years. It would not be anywhere near the same. I think core values are this yeah, guys. If they are listening to anything, they've, especially this podcast, they've heard it 
smacked upside their head a hundred times, right? Like I talk about them all the time, but it's this big, it's one of those big things out there like, yeah, 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 I need to do it. But like, they don't take time to do it. And I, and I love that you're saying this because when you actually take time to do it, nail it down, go through the process. And often that takes somebody else to help you through it. It really does take a coach or a system or a, or course or whatever to really nail it down. And you need someone to hold you accountable for that. Man, once it's done, it's a game changer. And so I'm glad you're saying that because guys, if you haven't done that, if you haven't created your own core values, your, your couple core values or your family core values, or if you own a business, by golly, stop now and create core values for your business. And what I, what I've learned Mike, and you might be the same way, is every decision that comes across the board goes through a series. It goes through my core value, like filter, like does that decision make sense with my values? Does that, and if, and if at any point it's like, not really, it's, it's a very easy decision. And that goes with relationships. It goes with time, how I spend my time, decisions and business decisions. Like one of our family core values is experiences over things. So when we're looking at, you know, should I buy that brand new Ram TRX, which I really want to buy truck, or should we, uh, should I not buy such an expensive truck and have more experience experiences with my family? Man, I'm really bad, sad. I use that as an example <laughs> right now. Um, you know, those are, those are the ways that you evaluate things. So have you, have you used them to that depth at this point? Uh, I would say, yeah. I mean, I mean, so, so I have used them to that depth unknowingly. Right. So there are, there are certain things that have always been important to me and have always been core values. I did not understand. I did not have the education to structure them that way, but I'm the exact same way. You know, you know, I would much rather take a $3,000 trip with my kids and us just have fun together than go out and buy, you know, whatever widget, whatever, you know, know, new clothes, new shoes, new whatever, you know, whatever new thing is on the market that everybody says you need. And I mean, you know, one thing that I have, you know, also learned is, you know, we are super inclined to go out and buy, you know, a, or, or, or go out and put a down payment, let's say on a new truck of $5,000 because we really want the new truck and that'll make me happy and everything else. Then take that $5,000 and invest it in something that will change our lives. Right. And making that shift has been interesting. It's, it's definitely been a lesson learned that, you know, because, you know, if it's, if it's not something, if we're spending money, it's not something that we can physically hold in our hands. It's makes it more difficult to make a purchase, mm-hmm. but man, the, the amount of money that I've spent and I, I know a lot of other entrepreneurs who, who make a similar claim, the amount of money that I've spent on self development over the course of the last three years, I don't know that I would physically be here if I hadn't have done it. That's a pretty good ROI. Yeah. Yeah. I would say <laughs> you did mention in your notes that, that in the form that I had you fill out that you had dealt with some, some dark darkness. I mean, going through all of this, 
was that a new experience for you? And let's, let's kind of dive into that a little bit, because I think guys, it's really incredibly important to talk about some of these things that we go through. And I think a lot of guys going through it currently think they're the only ones. So I think the more we talk about this, the more we shed light on that this is a normal thing. So was the divorce the first time where you kind of went really kind of in that dark place? Um, so it was, it started slowly, you know, it probably started year, year and a half prior to when we separated and it was relatively slow at first. It was like, you know, I kind of had a little bit of resentment towards my kids because I did not spend as much time with their mother that I, as I did prior to kids, you know, kids change the whole game, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it changes the whole dynamic. So that shift was probably the start of things getting a little bit more difficult. And like a lot of men, I'm like, eh, it's fine. I'll just deal with it. This is just how things are. No big deal. And you push on, you keep going to work and you keep, you know, doing the daily routine. And you're like, it won't be like this forever. It won't be like this forever. This is, you know, you hear people and, and this not to not to knock this at all, because that that is not my intention. But, you know, you tell yourself, you're like, this is just a season of life. And this is just how it will be for a little bit of time. You can um, knock it. It's fine. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you know, while that is true for some things, I believe, I think that sometimes that's a really easy way to cover up what's actually going on mm-hmm. um, and not address the root problems. And so kept on, kept on and got to the point where I was working a ton. I was without my family a ton. I felt very alone. And then, you know, my ex-wife and I were having fights and spats a lot. There was more alcohol involved than there probably should have been. Did not recognize that as a problem from either end at that point in time. And I'm not really a drinker at all. But I became, mm-hmm. and then COVID hit. And so we had to very quickly navigate, do we send the kids to daycare? Do we not send the kids to daycare? Do, you know, we were, you know, thrust into this situation where I had to keep the business going. I had to figure out all these things. I had a couple employees who didn't feel safe coming back to work. So they went home and we do physical work. So there's, there's, there's no way you're climbing a ladder from home. It's just not going to happen. They haven't invented a VPN or an internet portal for that yet. So <laughs> Not yet. Um, no AI for, for physical labor. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, we, we had to navigate a whole bunch of those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the same patterns of behavior that had happened in the couple of years prior got significantly worse. And that just kind of led to a miserable existence. And, um, you know, one thing that after a lot of, you know, kind of self-reflection on kind of what led to it and all this kind of stuff, you know, I started to figure out that, you know, one of the things that was making me really just not happy with life in general is, uh, like home did not feel like a safe place. Home was not a refuge from the storm anymore. It was a continuation of everything that you fight every day, all day long outside of home. Mm-hmm. And so it was a never ending, just barrage of shit 
at home, at work, wherever I went. And so then shit just continued to just kind of cascade and everything kind of came to a point where there was literally one night where everything came out and I was asked to leave home. And that, um, you know, being asked to leave your home, even if deep down it doesn't feel like home, that'll do something to you. That will, you know, being, being asked to leave everything that, that you've built, everything that you really figure out in that millisecond that means something to you, that'll break you. And it did. You know, I was very, very fortunate, though. I mean, it, it could have been way worse. You know, my parents are really, really supportive. I had a really nice fifth wheel camper. I was able to park that sucker in their driveway. And, you know, I had a place to go. It wasn't like I was thrown out and destitute and, you know, all, all these various things. So it, it could have been way, way worse. Yeah. But going through the going through the throes of not being home, of not uh, seeing your children, of not knowing what you're, you know, because when we when we first separated, we were like, hey, this, this, this will be a trial separation. We'll, you know, we'll figure our stuff out and, you know, we'll kind of. We'll kind of come back together going through uh, three months of not being home and not seeing your kids as much as you're used to and having almost no idea what your spouse is doing. That will also mess you up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was there was some pretty dark times there. And, you know, trying to keep, you know, I, I actually I'm not even going to lie to you. My uh my company, I could have cared less at that point in time, whether it burned to the ground or not. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thankful every single day that I had a really, I had a good couple core employees that did not let that happen. No matter how hard I did not give a shit about it. Right. But prior to that, you know, I thought, you know, mental health is a, is something that doesn't affect everybody. It is something that's that that's not important. It is something that, you know, oh, you're feeling sad? Just get over it. It's no big deal. Just stop feeling that way. And I learned the really, really hard way that that is not even close to what the reality of it is. And having a good support system is really, really important being comfortable talking to people about things that are going on is really, really important. Doing things for yourself just because you like to do them and you enjoy it is really important. You know, all these various things that, you know, I feel like, you know, as, as men we're told to just kind of suck it up and get over it, you know, as, as little boys, you know, you, you, you know, scrape your leg or whatever, and you're told to suck it up, walk it off, get over it. And to a certain extent, you know, some of that stuff I understand is is good for you. But there's another component to it. There's mm-hmm. another component to, to being able to make sure that you take care of yourself. Make sure that you prioritize your mental health so that you don't end up in those places. You know, understanding your own self-worth outside of anybody else is important. 
And those are things that, you know, over the last couple of years, I've had to kind of slowly figure out. And, you know, I've hired coaches. I've been a part of mastermind groups. I've had lots of conversations with other guys and gals who have gone through the exact same thing. And they've come out the other side. And everybody's story is a little bit different. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. But, you know, I got through it. Yeah. How'd you get through it? What, like, what were some of the, I think that's a great way to wrap this up is what were some of the key things that got you through these dark times? I mean, you kind of alluded to some, but like, what were some of the big key pivotal things? Sure. So I was a member of another group before I was a member of Apex and that was uh, Sean Whalen's group, Blind Sanchi. And in that group, I wasn't super active you know, didn't really participate a lot, but man, I was really good at sitting on the sidelines and seeing what other people were doing. Mm-hmm. And two people stuck out to me. And one was a counselor slash life coach, um, therapist. I had seen a lot of her stuff and what she was doing and how she was helping people. And another one was a personal trainer. And he, he was a pers- personal trainer, fitness coach. And literally the day that I was asked to leave home, I sent two messages out to each one of those people and hired both of them same day. Wow. You know, I kind of recognized that, man, I can't keep going the way that I'm going and I don't know how to get where I want to be and I need help and I can't do it on my own anymore because that ain't, that ain't working. So I would say recognizing that something was wrong and taking quick and drastic action were probably two of the biggest things that helped to get me through it because the support of those two individuals, I mean, they, they literally got me through it, literally got me through it. I mean, even, you know, outside of the realm of what you think and what, what I think is normally held of what you know, hired coaches and, you know, mentors are responsible for both of these people helped me when I needed it the most. I mean, whether it was a text message at 11 o'clock at night or freaking, you know, just hopping on a call when I was at probably the lowest point that I've ever been and talking me through it. It's super I mean, important to have those people. Yeah. Even if you pay them. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I think for me, you know, did I have family? Yeah, of course. My family and I are super, super close. Did I have friends? Absolutely. I have great friends. But man, when you are going through the shit, you don't necessarily want to bring your family and friends along for the ride. No. No. And when you hire other coaches, other individuals to kind of help you figure it out, they're not wrapped up in all your past and all your shit. They will tell you exactly as it is because that's what you pay them for. Right. And they are like, yes, they are monetarily invested in you. You're paying them for a service. But man, I tell you, the takeaways that I have from both of those individuals are things that literally changed my life and changed how I operate. Um, and so I would recommend to anybody if they're not happy with where they currently are, if they really sit down and just deep dive and be like, man, I'm not a hundred percent satisfied with where I'm at. 
find somebody that's a little bit closer than what you are and ask them how they did it or hire them. Yeah. I think that's such good advice. I know it's such good advice. It's advice that most people won't take, but it's the differentiator. Like stepping outside of your own circle a lot of times is so incredibly important because people are invested in you in a different level. They're going to try and protect you. They're going to try and teach you what they know and how they've dealt with it. And it might have been totally wrong. <laughs> Could take you down. And they're just emotionally invested in, in a completely different way. Whereas you bring someone from the outside, they can give you a lot more because they don't have that emotional investment. They can give you a lot more clarity. They can be a lot more pragmatic in the face of like what's really happening. Everything's unfolding right now. I think that's really good advice. And I think it's incredible timing that you had like the day you asked and hiring two people. That's a big step, brother. That's a big deal. That's a lot of money yeah. off the table, off, you know, out of your bank. It, it was, I yeah. mean, it was, uh, it was, it was a large investment, Yeah. but it was, you know, when you are, when you are faced with losing your family, I mean, What's the cost? Yeah, right. I mean, what is, I mean, literally, what would you give if you had the option? What would you pay? Is there any, is, is there a price that you can literally put on that? Can you, can you write that down on a piece of paper and quantify it? And at that point in time, the cost didn't matter. Yeah. They could have, they could have came at me with double the cost. And I would have, I'm thankful that they didn't, but (laughs) you know. They could have, they could have probably come at me with double the money and I would have still spent it. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, I did everything that I could to save my marriage. In fact, I probably at the, at the advice of, at the, uh, honey, I don't even know what to call it against the advice that I got from both of my coaches. I hung on and stayed a heck of a lot longer than I probably should have because mm-hmm. I had to try everything that I absolutely could in mm-hmm. order to be able to live with myself. And I think that's important to note as well, because, you know, you hire a coach, you know, they have a lot more experience in these things than, than you do. But at the end of the day, man, you got to be able to live with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to, to live with whatever decision you make. Yeah. And that's the, that's the opposite side of it is they're not emotionally invested and it might be easier to, for them to see an easy, easy retreat. Right. So it, it's a very fine balance, but I think that's a really good, a really good segue for the men, for people who are struggling with anything is, is really get somebody in your corner and it might take money you don't want to spend or you don't have. And it's the ROI on that is huge. You just do not know. And so that's pretty amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you kind of bearing it all here. I think a lot of men can learn a lot from others, failures and victories and rising back above. Sorry. But, uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I really, really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Uh, Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode, enjoyed, well, if you're in Mike's area and you need a sign, obviously reach out. (laughs) We'll hook you up. Yes. uh, You get the brotherhood of fatherhood discount, which is he'll send me a message and I'll send you a hat for free. (laughs) Right. Uh, Businesses have no, no business giving out discounts. Uh, but anyway, not for good service. I appreciate you, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on and, uh, just have an amazing week, brother. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Scott. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to the brotherhood of fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, 
Be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.